I'm happy. You happy, Marlon? All right. I'm happy, too, because I'm finally going to get to go to India. Yeah. So two years ago, I got invited to go to India with some other guys, and uh, my wife was in China at the same time. So that doesn't work out too good when you got five kids at home and you're both trying to go to Asia. So I didn't get to go. And then last year, our sixth child was being born. So I was happy to be home, obviously, but didn't go to India. But this year, I'm going to India. So, <laughs> so we've been saying you can, you can give online. Oh, actually, too, Hannah Stewart is, uh, if you don't know, she's an incredible artist. She uh, is in my world geography class, and we were studying Asia and India. Anyway, she got inspired and has this incredible painting called Leaving Harbor of these boats on the Ganges River in India. So she donated it to me, and next week you can uh, highest bidder or something in the, in the foyer, and that money will go towards India. So we got a lot of purchasing of artwork, and we, I sent an email trying to get Downing the Sedan from California. You know, so everybody just receive grace. Receive grace to give or not to give. You know, we don't want anybody giving under compulsion or feeling any pressure. This is just opportunities to sow and keep sowing. Hey, Travis. Good to see you, Travis from Wilmington. Good buddy of mine. always like it when you're here. So, welcome. So, you ready, Marlon? You ready to go to India? All right. Enoch, can you come up here for a minute? i got a prayer for you. Come here. Come here. Run up here, Enoch. If Ben was here, I'd get him to come. Are you ready? You ready? Put your hands out. Put your hands out. Fire! 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 Yeah, Lord. <laughs> you can sit down. I just had to do that. Enoch. <laughs> Probably embarrassed him real good. Anyway, all right. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Um, this past few weeks, Byron's been doing this series on grace. How many people have gotten something out of that? couple people. Yeah, actually a lot of people raised their hand. You just couldn't see them. <laughs> I don't know what the title on the series that we're doing is, but if I had to give it one, I'd just say Foundations in Grace. Because, you know, I think Foundations of Grace has always been a foundation, a root of who we are as Christians and particularly a high value here in our church body. And uh, so this fourth installment, I'm titling Gargantuan Grace. Okay, gargantuan grace, because it's big, it's massive, it's expansive, it's all-encompassing, and it takes over. Grace is a powerful force in the universe and should be a powerful force in our lives. All right, so a couple of months ago I was reading in Romans. How many people, how many Romans fans we got in here? Any Romans fans? All right, good. I got a couple Romans fans. I was reading in Romans, and I've always gotten a lot of grace revelation out of Ephesians and Galatians, which is pretty typical, but not as much out of Romans. There's other good stuff in Romans. So, but I, all of a sudden in the first few chapters of Romans, I just started seeing grace everywhere. Has anybody ever had that experience where it's like you put on a different set of glasses and start reading the scripture and it totally looks different, feels different, and acts different than it used to? You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of a good description for how my reading of Romans this time. So I just want to take you for a few moments here in the gleanings in Romans and give you this gargantuan grace that I feel like can really help us and help you and revolutionize our spiritual lives. So let's do that and... I'm breaking the three-point sermon rule because I have five points this morning, okay? But 
That doesn't mean I can't do it in 20 minutes. So, yeah, five points. This is not the first point. This is the intro. Okay, so see, I cheated. It's really six points, but let's start in Romans 1. And uh, Romans 1, and let's see here, verse 16. And wow, all right. Give a hand to Corey, man. He got the scripture up there. Yeah, so um, I, Paul says this. This is awesome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You know, when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God, I believe in that context, one of the aspects of the power of God is the grace of God. The grace of God, because one definition of the grace of God is the power to live. How many people knew that? We need the power to live, the power of Christ in us to live the Christian life. So Paul's saying, the gospel, the good news, because remember, he's talking to Christians here. The Roman church, and he's saying, here's the good news for you now that you're saved. The good news is there's power available in the gospel, and it's the power to live the Christian life. And I am not ashamed of that. Now, why would he have a tendency to be ashamed? Because he was undergoing a lot of persecution for this scandalous gospel of grace that he was preaching. Because he dared to say, no, 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 you do not need to be circumcised. No, 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 no. It is not by keeping the law of Moses that you're made righteous, right? He was taking the heat, baby. I mean, the furnace was being picked up, turned up on him because he was preaching this message that was totally, totally out of line. It's the power of God. So that sets a foundation for us. By the way, I'm headed towards really hitting the climax of this message in Romans 5. Okay, Romans 5, but I've got to set a foundation before we get to Romans 5 because it's really important. So that's Romans 1, and I'll come back to Romans 1 towards the end. All right, first point, though. Grace is received free of charge. This is Romans, let's go to Romans 3.21. What do I mean by free of charge? It's undeserved and unearned goodness and favor. How many people need some grace from time to time? <laughs> all the time. I'm telling you, I just got over being sick for like two weeks. I don't think I'd ever been sick for two weeks. I just am the type of person that doesn't really get sick much. And you know, how many people know you need grace when you're sick? You don't think right. Obviously, you don't feel right. Nothing feels right. Your thinking's messed up. You know, it's just you need grace when you're sick. And it hurt me not to be here with you one Sunday, a couple of Wednesdays. You know, I started feeling guilty because I wasn't doing my job. You know, it's just, it's hard when you're sick. And my buddy Boo, you know, Boo called me. He said, and, and Boo works at our school, James Mayhew. He works at our school. He said, Matthew, I just wanted you to know. He called me one day from school. I was sick. He's like, I want you to know we miss you. Well, hope you can come back soon. I love you, man. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> that means a lot. And he's like, is there anything I can do with you, just do for you, just, just let me know. You know, that's what I needed. That's what I needed when I didn't feel well. I needed somebody applauding 
a running water that was just coming through the speaker. I, ne- <laughs> I queued that up. I needed that to get me through this moment where I'm trying to figure out what to say while I'm giving grace to our sound guy. Let's give him a hand. Yeah. <laughs> just thank you for that illustration, Jared. I, I really appreciate it. That was awesome. And honestly, she had to leave, you know, but I was thinking of Cindy Martinez, who just felt terrible about the lyrics this morning. And I was like, Cindy, really? <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. It's completely okay. Oh, no, 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 really, you know? It's hard for us to receive grace sometimes. Why? Because I'm like this, I'll just say for me, because I have a hard time giving myself grace. And how am I going to give somebody else grace if I don't give myself grace? And how am I going to give myself grace if I don't have a real revelation on the Father's grace for me? You see what I'm saying? It's just like that greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Like Byron said, you can't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself. And you can't have grace for somebody else unless you have grace for yourself first. Isn't that true? Now, I'm just going to lay this out here. Here's what I feel like the Lord wants to go after this morning. I believe the Lord wants to break some heaviness off of us. Okay, because I feel like there's people in this room that just to be quite honest, there's some heaviness on you. And at least in this context, there could be many reasons for heaviness. But in this context, it's because you're lacking grace. Maybe for yourself. Maybe for your husband, your wife, your children. You know, oh, we're all guilty, right? So in that regard, I can give the altar call now. You can all come up. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, it really is true. We all could go up. But see, the grace culture is very important. We need the grace of God. If you look at Paul's words in the New Testament, he just hammered this home over and over again. Like in Galatians where he's like, who has bewitched you? You know, you think you can be made perfect by the works of the law? No, no, no. It's only by the grace of God. So it's free of charge. Romans 3.21 says this, But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. It's true, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace. Bump your neighbor and say, by His grace. By His grace. I grew up on the Romans road, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Wait, but it doesn't end there. But have been justified freely by His grace. I need grace for the lost. I need grace for the hurting. You know what? I could be wrong about this. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you don't. But my hunch is a sinner lost in sin knows that he has a need. There's something in his heart. He may even with his words say, oh, no, 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 I'm a good person. But deep down in his heart, he knows there's a problem. He knows there's a crisis that needs a solution. He knows that there's something that needs redemption inside of him. 
So yeah, I can point out Romans 3.23, but don't forget the rest of the passage. Romans 4.23.24 and 25, And God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. You see, God is a just God. Sin must be punished. I often explain to people, why would God punish sin? You know, they ask that question. Young people ask that question. I was like, well, it's just if a crime is committed against your family, what kind of justice system would there be if there was no punishment for that crime available? God is a just God. So we explain to the pre-Christian, you see, God sent His only Son to take that punishment for you and me. Isn't that right? I know I'm preaching to the choir. But then here's where Paul gets into you Christians. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded? On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. This doesn't just apply to our salvation, I believe. This applies to our sanctification. This applies to our everyday life. Because not only do I need grace for sickness, I need grace for just about every every little thing in my life. I need grace to get here on time. You know what I'm saying? I'm a very want-to-be-five-minutes-early kind of person. And how many people know when you got six kids at home, it's hard to get there five minutes early. Five minutes late would be great, you know? I need grace for that. But you know what? I need grace for my brother to have the same struggle within his own heart. I need grace for my wife who is trying to get that baby changed. You know, I need grace for my other brother who's maybe immature in his faith, but is struggling through that process that I went through, and so did you. But yeah, I want to point into his plank in his eye and try to get that out. When really the Lord, if I don't have a plank in my own eye, I did. You know what I'm saying? That grace is so important. We must have it for ourselves and we must extend it to other people. So grace is received free of charge. Now how many people, you know, um, today celebrate my niece's Kaya, Micaiah's birthday, you know? And, uh, you know, here's the thing about birthdays. You get presents whether you deserve it or not. Right? Because I was thinking, even Christmas, you got the Santa Claus thing, you know, naughty and nice. I mean, I don't know what parents actually give their kids coal and sticks in their stockings or whatever. But there's still this thought of, have you been good? But on your birthday, I don't know, I mean, maybe people do this, but I've never, on your birthday, whether you're bad or good, you get blessed, right? People love you. They give you things. And it's like, you know, that's really a picture of the Father's grace for us. Is His birthday came to you when your heart came enlightened. You know, when you were born again, that was your spiritual birthday. You know, mine's July 23rd, 1993. That's my birthday. And every day is my birthday with my Father. Because He lavishes presence on me. Things I don't even deserve. 
Did you know theologians have this thing called common grace? Where the psalmist says that he makes it to rain on the, the righteous and the unrighteous. If you think about it, if God is the source of everything good, everything, He's not just giving undeserved goodness to you and me, but to all mankind. Isn't that true? To some measure. We have a good God. And I like our offering declaration. He's always in a good mood. That's because of the grace of God. So here's what Romans 4.18 says. Let me sum it up for you before we read it. Because of grace, we have peace with God. Period. Peace with God. Period. Done deal. Let me start in 4.18. 4.18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. He gave himself the grace. He faced the facts. This is not looking good. Yet he did not waver through unbelief. I love that. Regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The word, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, for you. Everybody say, for me. I was, it was credited to me for righteousness. That's for you, church. It's for us. It's very clear here. But also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in Him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, take out the chapter break here. Read it more you know, flowing. Therefore, because of all that's just been said, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this, into this grace. Yes, this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I am so excited about this grace. I, I mean, this is something to rejoice in. I got I to gotta read to you from my spiritual journal because journal, I like the way that God gave me this. Romans 5.1, we have peace with God, period. Our ability to say, see, hear, feel the spiritual realm may be clouded by our sin, sure enough. Undoubtedly, our sin can and will reap consequences in this life that will cause destruction to us and others based on the laws that govern this reality. But our past, our present, and our future sin does not erect a barrier between us and the Father. Why? Because Christ's blood destroyed that barrier and we rejoice in the hope or the certainty of this that Christ's blood has redeemed you once and for all, done, finished, over. What you did yesterday, and a lot of people have a hard time forgiving themselves and having grace for that, it's done. It's over. 
What you did today, it's done, it's over. What you will do today and in the future, did you know that the gospel that Paul preached was that it is bought by the blood of Christ. The Father no longer will look at you no matter what with wrath and unhappiness in his eyes, but he looks on you with pleasure and joy and happiness. Not because of you and I, but because of the blood of His Son. That's how powerful the blood of the cross is. Certainly, in this temporal existence, what we do wrong will have consequences. We must be aware of that fact. We must point that fact out. That is obvious. But in the temporal is different from the eternal. And in the eternal, the blood of Christ is just that powerful. Now, if you don't believe me, I'm going to come back to that point in just a minute. Because I know the question that comes up in people's minds when you make such scandalous statements as that. Like, Byron, didn't you say something about, it doesn't, this, is, this is dangerous last week. This is dangerous what I'm about to tell you. If, you, if I, the Lord says you have a license to get out of the corral, whatever you want to do, that's dangerous, isn't it? It's a dangerous statement. He told the other side of that, but you can get the tape. I mean, not tape. Get the MP3. God. <laughs> the 8-track. The vinyl. We should do vinyl. You know, here that's making a comeback. <laughs> All right, now, here's, here's where it really comes to head. This is I got really excited about this. I'm not excited yet. Just wait. In Romans 5-3... Paul says, so he's going on about all this. He says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. I was like, Lord, what's, why does Paul shift from this wonderful treatise on grace and the, the grace versus the law and such and such to talking about suffering? Why? You wondered the same question. Well, let me go back and read to you from my journal. Here's what the Lord says, I wrote down. Because we as humans, Matthew, always equate suffering with punishment. We always equate suffering with punishment. Paul is pointing out that we no longer deserve punishment. Christ already took that. Rather, suffering is something we all experience as a result of still living in a fallen world. Therefore, we can rejoice in it because, number one, Jesus already defeated it and made a way for us through it. And number two, it can be utilized by us to gain greater understanding of the certainty of the love of the Father. Now let's read it like Paul said it. Not only so. But we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, or certainty. And hope, come on Marlon, does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love. Oh, come on, love revolution. His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He's given us. The promised comforter. The promised uh, 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 truth giver. The Holy Spirit. So where does suffering or where could it lead us if we utilize it correctly? It could lead us to a greater revelation of the love of God. 
I know Hannah has utilized her father's death for the love of God. That girl is full of love. And if you just look at her paintings, they're full of the love of God. You know, I know I've come to a place of utilizing Matt's death in the same way. How great is the love of God. It's an unending, unfathomable, all-encompassing love. You know, I told my students the other day, we were talking about grace versus judgment. I was like, you know, guys, Lord, remove all the judgment out of my heart. For the man on the street, whether he's holding a sign or in a wheelchair or whatever, I don't even know and I don't even care what the cause of the homelessness or the suffering or the sin is. All I know that the furious love of our God can break all those barriers. And I want to be a conduit of that love. That's why grace is so important to us today. Because we all want that. And I know because I can see it in your eyes. So grace, number three, if you're taking notes, has a proper perspective on suffering and troubles. Grace has the proper perspective on suffering and troubles. And um, just because I love it so much, if you'll bear with me, I want to read Romans 5, 1 through 6 in the Message Bible. And I know Byron likes this one. Are y'all ready for this? Buckle your seatbelt. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He's already thrown open His doors to us, we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Can I get a witness? Nobody here wants to hear what I got to say. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was from a previous time. <laughs> I wish I could get enough. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. And how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue. Keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Christ arrives. Do I still have this up here? There. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't doesn't wait for us to get ready. Isn't that good news? He presented Himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. <laughs> Don't you love that? I wouldn't know what to do anyways, even if I was strong. I still wouldn't know what to do. So what's the point? <laughs> you know? The point is, the, the gargantuan grace of God is good enough. It's good enough in our lives today. Isn't that true? All right. I'm out of time. Let me just say this. If you're one of those people that wonders if this is a license to sin, read Romans 6. 
enough said. Paul asked the question two times. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means! Exclamation point. Okay, and then on down in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And he goes on to answer the question. So if you have that question, read Romans 6 because I don't have time to explain it to you. But it's spelled out there. At least in the NIV. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I like the NIV. but The Neely inspired version. All right, but here's the last point. Grace puts away all judgment, realizing that being made right is found in Him alone, not by getting it right. Grace puts away all judgment, realizing that being made right is found in Him alone, not by getting it right. See, one more time for Marlon. Grace puts away all judgment, realizing that being made right is found in Him alone, not by getting it right. <laughs> you, know, you know Romans 1, how my subheading in the middle of the chapter is God's wrath against mankind, and Paul goes on this rampage of a laundry list of all this wickedness. You, you guys remember that? From homosexuality to disobeying your parents to so on and so forth. And I've always thought, yeah, get them, God. They deserve the wrath. They're like, you know, the worst of the worst. And then I read 2.1. I was like, uh-oh. If you read 2.1 through 4, look some what he says. Well, first of all, at the end of chapter 1, he says, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Take out the chapter break. You, therefore, everybody point at yourself and say, you, have no excuse. Uh-oh. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Ouch. Shoot. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? No. Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness, God's goodness, leads you to repentance? He's making the point. We all deserve judgment. We are all Romans 1. It's a description of humanity. Period. And he's making the point of we deserve judgment, and that's why he's laying the foundation for the grace of God that comes apart from the law, that by the blood of Christ we won't receive the judgment. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. <laughs> Tony Nash used to say, Hallelujah. So here's what I think we should do, Pastor. This is all right. I just want the Lord to break off this heaviness off of us because sometimes we kind of, and myself included, we kind of mope around here. And uh, I've realized a lot of times the reason I get mopey is because either, you know, I've blown up in anger, or, you know, I'm struggling with some sin. 
in my life, or I lack grace for myself, i.e., grace for my wife or my friend or my church or you know, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Grace for the person at Walmart. <laughs> grace for the person on I-77. <laughs> I lack all those things. Why? Because I lack grace revelation from the Father into my own heart. And from that revelation, I have grace for myself. And from grace for myself, I have grace for other people. So why don't you guys stand with me? And we'll all stand here before the presence of our loving Father and ask His Holy Spirit to break off the heaviness. We ask You, Holy Ghost, break off the judgment. Father, where I have judgment... Why don't you just pray this after me? Father, where I have judgment change my mind and after you change my mind change my heart thank you Lord Holy Ghost just come you don't have to repeat this if you don't want to (laughs) Holy Ghost just come and break off every thing of the law that tries to hold us tries to bind us Every lying spirit that says you're not good enough. You haven't done it right. The Father could never be pleased with you. We say no in the name of Jesus. Now you can say this after me. I have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. I have been justified. I have been made righteous. And therefore, all the judgment has been paid for me. And because of this certainty, I rejoice in the hope of the love of the Father for me. Amen. Woo! Yeah, Lord. Bless you guys. Thank you for coming. Um, I pray that we really all would be walking in real revelation of grace, an increase in revelation of grace. And just go out in the grace of God and enjoy God's grace towards you. Amen.